Welcome to the Service Management Leadership Podcast with Jeffrey Tiefertiller. Hello, everyone. This is Jeffrey Tiefertiller back with another Service Management Leadership Podcast. We have a great guest today, Beth Kaminsky. She is an IT asset management leader. And so, Beth, we're happy to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. And I'm glad to be here. Oh, it's uh, I'm looking forward to diving in. I enjoy these conversations. I, it allows me to, to understand where people are in their organizations because everybody's different. Right. So you've been in the asset management world for a while. And I, yeah, I'd say, yeah. A while, however we want to define it. People don't go to college for asset management roles. How did you get down this journey, this path? These are always great stories, by the way. Whenever you ask somebody in the asset management world, how'd you fall into this? So how was it? Well, you know, I think the term is fall into it. I was one of those fallers, right? And um, back, oh, it was going on 20 years before it was even cool. I was working part-time doing jack-of-all-trades kind of work for the CIO of a large insurance company and um, called me up to his office one afternoon. And he sat there and he goes, Beth, you're good at getting things done. He goes, I've got something for you. And he pushes this whole stack of paper. And as a reminder, this was like 2004, 2003. We still had stacks of paper at that time, right? Not to age myself, but he pushes this stack of paper across to me. And he goes, Beth, this is our software spreadsheets. Just clean them up. You don't have to do it forever, but I know you can clean them up. Just clean them up. And that's really where the journey started in um, looking at um, the software spreadsheets and trying to put entitlement together. And then eventually, how do you get good entitlement data? Then comes process. And eventually, years down the road came tools. And then, of course, Um, This was prior to the big audit push, then came audits. And so, um, yeah, and I found that uh, I liked the space. I like the kind of small space. I enjoy the people were kind of like forensic investigators, so to speak. And I liked that. And although the CIO at the time said, Beth, just clean up the spreadsheets. You don't have to do this forever. It's now been 20 years. And here I sit. It's been forever. Yeah. <laughs> so, entitlements, I, I want to push in just because people may be listening. What are entitlements? Entitlements, Entit- go ahead. Okay. Entitlements are, for example, everyone um, says that you own a software license, right? You don't really own a software license. What you do is buy the rights to use a software license or in the day of cloud. Now, there wasn't cloud back in the day, but in the day of cloud now, you're actually buying the rights to use a subscription. So that makes a more um, maybe a lot more sense to people because folks understand subscription, but entitlements are just exactly um, what the term means. 
they're your entitlement for the use rights for um, a piece of software. And that in generally um, requires the original contract. Um, any agreements that were signed can be the invoice paid. And those kind of things that will stand up in a court or stand up in a compliance um, um, review as proof of um, ownership of certain rights. They also talk about, when they talk about entitlements, it also talks about how software licenses can be used and the different metrics. And that's the, one of the things why you have to have those entitlements is because software is very difficult because the use rights are very unique to the software package. For example, Microsoft or SAP or Oracle, all of them, depending on the functionality that you have rights to, the things you measure, the things you count, are all different. Yes, and, and so the reason I wanted to push in on this is yeah. this is a soapbox topic for me because in the in Europe, they so here in the US, I think we've swung too far to the tool side. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned all the particulars of the contract. Your tool cannot interpret yeah. those. And where the in Europe it swung back to a balance of, you know, we have to know what we're entitled to, how much we're using, and then there's some human interpretation to figure mm -hmm. out how is this used? Are we over-deployed, under-deployed? Because I tell this one story often on here, so I apologize. One okay. in a previous organization, there was an Adobe title and it showed green in the tool. I'm like, great, let's just hit a random one. It showed 13 and it was green. The problem is we use zero. And so I was like, that shouldn't really be green that because that is an opportunity to save money and or to leverage for something else. And there is so much that tools do help with the entitlements and the process. But there's for people that are really good at their role, like you are, the human intervention part is underappreciated, in my opinion. I, I would, you know, Jeff, I would tend to agree with that, you know, um, one thing that you often see, and I've seen it in my experience um, quite clearly, is that the tools are often considered the magic bullet. We use that term. There are other terms that are used, but it never really takes out the critical thinker, the person that sits on an ITAM team. And even if you get a report, it, it doesn't necessarily apply it to your environment. And I will tell you on in the US especially, because mostly I talk to US people, not exclusively, but mostly. And um, I'll um, get calls or I'll talk to folks at conferences and we've got this tool and we've got the discovery all working so we can see what's being used and stuff like that. Well, we don't have the entitlements done because they thought the tool was going to do it all for them. But a tool is no good without the, the definitions that need to go into it. And I see that in the U.S. a lot where, um, oh, we have to do that. Well, you don't have that done yet? No. Well, maybe you should hold off a little. But yeah, 
So yeah, I agree with you. I think that tends to be a weakness in tool implementation perhaps, yep. And even with a great tool, great tool implementation, there's still a huge need for strong personnel and process. Yes. I think it's all a balance and uh, you can't be successful with just tools. So you've been in, you mentioned insurance. You're yeah. now with a container company. Yes. Is there any differences in the two hardware or software um, side of the house? Is there a difference between industries for you? Um, from a strict best practices and how it works, probably no, but because, you know, a license is a license, but there is a difference in company culture. And when you're coming in to build a program or put in practices, especially practices that hadn't been there before, or even more challenging practices that are being done by somebody else and are going to be um, transferred maybe over to your team or your staff or whatever, there's a lot of um, learning that has to be done around the um, culture of that particular company so that you don't misstep, right? You have to remember you're there to help them and not there necessarily to take over and tell them how brilliant you are. Not that you're not brilliant, right? But um, not to tell you how, how brilliant they are, but you've got things that you need to do and they need to help you. So you have to take it from you have to take it from their point of view and that's where culture comes in. So the one thing that is really different is the culture of how the people see IT and how they see just their daily jobs. It's it's you know it's a very interesting thing and you've got to spend some time doing that or you're going to misstep not unintentionally. And even the relationships between ITAM procurement, accounting, you know, mm -hmm. I think of that as a three-legged stool because the ITAM people need the other two to help enforce. Yes. We're not going to bring on new software without this and that. And those relationships get down into that culture conversation you're discussing. Yes, it does. And what you eventually need to get to is a kind of a cooperation of and part of that comes from defining what everybody's role is so that you don't you want you don't end up with holes right, right? if you don't do that you're going to end up with holes and also um, redundancies where people are trying to do the same thing and in my mind human nature is such that if you have two groups doing the same thing then they're going to try to beat each other to the punch and that's not what you're after so a lot of role definition, especially if you're coming in somewhere new, um, that may be um, a little easier than um, if you've been, say you've been in an organization for a while, and once again, you get transferred in to be an ITAM manager, you know? Um, and yeah, so I think that um, clear role definition is very helpful in the area of, maybe hard to do sometimes, but helpful in the, um, in an effort to have good cooperation between groups. Expectations are underrated. Understanding right. them. I'm a yeah. big believer that most conflict is a result of expectations, unmet, yes. 
lack of understanding, because if everybody knows what's expected to them from them and from for others, it's a lot easier to have those conversations. That's correct. And yep. so, so this has been a difficult 12, 14 months for mm -hmm. our country and every company. Mm -hmm. And it's my belief that ITAM delivered strategic results for many organizations. Have you all been able to have that kind of ability to impact change at your current employer? Yes, I, I believe so. There's a lot of change going out because there was the first push of um, saying, okay, now we have this emergency, right? And we have to take care of this emergency. Do people have the things they need to be able to in the first, you know, six days, seven days, month, be able to, I mean, I've never, I'm, I was so proud of um, Dart Container in their ability to, within a very short time, get people moved and just be up and running. It was actually um, an absolute amazing thing they did. And, but now we've gone on a while, right? A year. In fact, it's just been a little bit over a year that we all went remote. And the things are um, now coming to where we need to figure out where we're going to land, right? So um, those things that were emergencies and we put into place, well, no, now those things may become run and maintain, right? So we'll need to, does that mean we need to make license purchases uh, from the software asset management side, um, side of the coin? Do we need to um, change agreements? Do we maybe, were we hampered by things being cloud? Were we hampered by having on-premise um, infrastructure? Would we have been better if we were um, infrastructure as a service? All those things are now being looked at as future things. And on the hardware side, um, I often think of other organizations where I worked at Dart, we all have laptops, right? Mm -hmm. That's a, those are our main devices. So when they said, okay, get your stuff and go home, we put our laptops in our backpack, pack, we have backpacks in our backpacks, and we went home. But, you know, I think of where I used to sit and I would have a thin client sitting on my desk or, um, you know, back in the day, some we were talking about towers under desks uh, oh, yeah. at an earlier meeting today. Not so much of those, but could be, not a dart, but could be. But even the devices have changed. You know, the phone, the iPad, and that definitely affects the hardware side of the house, oh, both sides of the house, both sides of the ITAM house, right? And, um, you know, I rely on my phone much more than I did before. I can't imagine having a, a desk phone anymore with like email, um, voicemail that you go and pick up, you know? Yeah. yeah, I'm with you on all that. And I, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking whatever you use for a VPN, that contract needed mm -hmm. to be adjusted. Yes. Whatever you use for, let's say, and I don't, you know, I don't know anything about your organization, but you Skype or Zoom before, and now you're moving mm -hmm. to Teams. 
Yep. There are so many organizational intersects with ITAM, SAM, and HAM, and mm -hmm. that we have to be able to adjust. Um, it's my belief that whatever we assumed beginning of 2020, we cannot assume today. It's no. everything is clean slate, and, and it, but it's an opportunity. You know, everybody looks at it as a negative. I'm like, it's an opportunity because oh, yeah. all that legacy stuff that we are holding on tight to because this is the way we've always done it, it's out the window. That's right. Well, I'll tell you, Jeff, one of the most interesting things, and I never gave this a thought until we are talking just right now. But one of the biggest challenges we have, and you know, I have this um, challenge on a regular basis, and I'm praying right now that we don't have this challenge, right, is internet access. Yes. And that um, folks had varying degrees of it. I mean, before we got on the phone today, I went around the house and turned off every device that I could find. And in this house, there's a lot of devices, right? And, um, but that has been challenging. And it was challenging for the folks that um, go, that went remote. I'm sitting in a nice little suburb of East Lansing. But, um, you know, if you lived on a farm, we had to help them out. And what are the, you know, what is the cost of that? What is the device um, um, pro, um, solution to the problem? And that was one of the things that we still deal with. We were dealing with an Adobe license, um, uh, subscription license issue the last couple of days. And the best we can think is this person's internet access drops out long enough or whatever that it it messes everything up right so i didn't think about that till we we're talking i would say that's probably been from um what i've heard one of the most challenging things for us i was even thinking since you're in michigan people may say i want to work remotely from canada today but yep. then that impacts some of your licensing in some yes. of your data because now you're using it in another country and you and I say this to the audience, not you, but you better bet that your software publishers know which country you're accessing from. They know they know more about you than you want to believe they know. And, but I can just exactly. see it, right? People think, oh, I can go live in the Caribbean and work remotely for my employer, but that has software entitlement, software license implications. That's right. And I'm glad you that's the first thing I thought when you mentioned that is, oh, entitlements. It's in your entitlements, whether you can do that or not. It's there. And that's why you need staff that go through it so they understand. And um, that is um, very true. And those software vendors, they will track you down. I know I had an incident um, oh, some time ago of where um, people had been downloading an instance of a software package that was for personal use, right? Well, the vendor could see um, the IP addresses where it was going. It was two IP addresses that all led to the, in, the organization that I was working for, right? So I got this nice little letter from the vendor saying, what are you doing? You owe us this much money because they tracked it down. Yep. Yeah. 
And it's, it's one of those things that I'm over here smiling because I've lived that life. And yes. I've lived that life where, you know, you get into the data, you know, you let's take an ERP, SAP, mm-hmm. Oracle, whatever. Mm-hmm. They know where you're at. And now where that data comes and goes in a different country may have implications. I have found that the ITAM people have the best stories of stuff they've come across, uncovered, <laughs> audits, all of that sort of thing. And I say that because if there is a catch-all, I don't say like lost and found type of group, it's always the ITAM. Everything mm-hmm. else is straightforward, but ITAM gets the miscellaneous. Do you have any stories that you can share? I say you can share yeah. just because there's some that we all have that we have to not say publicly. Yeah, so many stories. Um, you know, I think probably um, the most interesting one, and it goes to the remote thing, and it actually goes to a subject that I'm quite passionate about, and that is around collaboration, soft skills, and that. I worked a very long-term IBM audit, and it was an audit that um, went it lasted for almost 19 months. So it was long. And there were very good reasons why it lasted 19 months. And it was in connection with, um, it was involvement between folks in the UK and the folks in folks in the US. And at month, uh, I think it was month 12, one year into the IBM audit, we decided we should have a little celebration because we were still alive. We were still kicking, you know, and um, probably a little sick of each other, but uh, not the IBM people though. We left those guys off, (laughs) but we did a big cake, right? And we had a little party. And of course our friends in the UK could not participate except via um, remotely. Right. And so we sent pictures. It was kind of in the days before Zoom and all that. But when I, I guess what I'm saying, it's been one of the best part of that story is how you can work with people all over the world and still have fun and still, um, you know, celebrate things and get some good work done. You know, that that's always um that's a good story of how collaboration can happen between strangers. And I like that. And of course, you know, I have all the stuff where we used to get in trouble, another good one. And I would love it as she was watching that podcast, the very first tool that I implemented, implemented back in the day was Altiris, mm-hmm. right? Oh, and it went from those spreadsheets that I talked about at the first to Altiris. So you can imagine the data cleanup we went through. And my CTO at the time kept pulling, he had a regular Tuesday afternoon meeting. I think it was Tuesday afternoon. We'll say it was Tuesday afternoon meeting to talk about Altiris once a week. 
And so we would drag ourselves to the meeting to get our butts kicked because we weren't done. Because that's the other thing about a tool implementation. You're not done yet. What do you mean you're not done yet? You're not done yet. Truth is, we never get done. But um, our idea was that we wanted to design um, T-shirts that had a big heart on them and said across the front, I love Altiris and wear it into that meeting one day, right? But um, you have to make it fun. You know, I, my best friend talks about what I do and she goes, Beth, if I had to do that all the time, I, I, I think I might, I, I just don't know if I could stand it. I might go insane. And it's like, oh, really? Yeah. But yeah, they're good stories. And, you know, I could tell the bad stories, but what I like to, the stories I like to tell are those where people come together for a common purpose and you have fun with counting Adobe Acrobat, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and let's be honest, this is the part that nobody wants to say publicly. No matter what your initiative is, you will only be as successful as the people. I don't care Absolutely. about the tool. I don't care about the process. No. It's the people yeah. executing whatever you're doing that will determine your success. Nobody wants to admit it because they look down at their staff and the people they're collaborating with and they're like, these people determine my success. And I'm like, yeah. yes. They do. And so, and that's always been in my mind, I think, and I've always treated it that way, especially now that I have spent so much time in the space, is that you have a responsibility to give back and you have a responsibility to bring those folks on on the path if they want to come some do and some don't and um you know i think that it's you get, like you said at the very beginning you don't go to school for this and i've gained it over the years and the only way you learn it is through tribal knowledge and you know um not to put myself on any kind of soapbox here but the chieftain at the top and I don't mean that the wrong way at all. And um, but the person, the leader um, passes the knowledge down. And um, it's um, yeah, I, you're right. It's the people and you have to invest in them and you have to understand that they don't know. So you have to take the time to teach them. And that's the one thing I was talking to somebody um, the other day. I think they were offering some services and um, I was looking at the team that um, I've developed at DART and it was like, you know, I don't think we need you. I think, you know, over the five years, we've grown enough that I think we can do it ourselves. And that was a real, um, that was a real moment for me because that's really important to me. I bet it was a good moment for your team as well. And it was, it was. I think if people know you love them, I mean, and I mean, as a guy, you know, that's not easy to say, right? Yeah, Other than the yeah. love your bro kind of stuff. But if people know that you love them and you really care about them and you want them to be successful, you're halfway there. And then, yeah. you know, there's an opportunity to talk about knowledge. You mentioned how you have been in this space for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. What has been some of the big changes over this time on mm. hardware and software? You can talk about them together mm. separate, but you know, like I've been in this space a long time and I think about like the focus has changed and, you know, hardware was about 
how do we get return? Because even in the early 2000s, hardware was expensive. And mm-hmm. compared to now, it's kind of like Kleenex, it's disposable. But, you know, it, some of the drivers, some of those things, what's changed in your from your viewpoint? Okay, I think one of the biggest drivers has been on the software side is cloud. Mm-hmm. That has changed the whole game around from software as for software asset management. It's not so just from the analytics side of you. It's changed the game from counting licenses and audits and running scripts and all that kind of stuff that used to happen to um, optimization. Mm -hmm. and who's using what, and what does everyone need? That idea of user profiling and um, getting the right tools into the right people's hands and then tracking it after you give it to them, right? That's the important thing because um, there's a lot of costs involved in that. And then I think that on the software side still is that um, contract review and contract management has become even more important around SaaS contracts, Mm -hmm. right? Used to be entitlements were, this is a standard contract, click to accept, the rules are all in there. Um, you know, you could um, change, well, even most, a lot of licensing was perpetual. So you never even, lo- you never lost it. You could just drop your maintenance or not drop your maintenance. But with SaaS cloud, um, you have to the, negotiate the contract. How long is it going to be? What is the price going to be? When are you going to take price increases? What are the um, uh, price increases that, you know, are there caps? Um, and then on top of that, because you can just drop it like that at the end of a, um, a contract term, how do you get it back? How do you get your data back? Right. What, how does that work? Right. You know, how long I read a contract the other day where you have to pay to get it back. And I'm like, okay, business, here you go. You need to understand that. And I think that's the other thing that's changed is because it's so user centric for the most part, if we're talking SaaS, right? Because it's so user centric, the business has a bigger stake in it than they've ever had. And so when you start talking about it works like this or doing user profiling, um, to get the, the best bang for your buck, so to speak. Um, you can't leave the business out of those discussions. It's, it's impossible if the business isn't bringing the solution to you in the first place. Or worst case scenario, scenario they've already bought it, right? Yes. Yeah. That's the only good thing for no COVID means no conferences, which then the ITAM people get these surprises when somebody comes back and said, Oh, I already told the vendor yeah. we we're going to do this. You know, there's been no conferences in the last year for the ITAM people to get those kind of surprises. You mentioned data. Uh-huh. We had a very interesting conversation with Craig Garenti, who does Oracle's uh, mm-hmm. specific licensing, compliance, consulting, all that sort of thing. 
Craig's a great guy, is really sharp. He mentioned, and I had never thought of this, so I want to give him credit. He, didn't, he mentioned that the more we get into this cloud environment, the more we we think we're going in to be flexible because we'll use some cloud vendor here, some here, some mm -hmm. here, some here. But it really locks us in and becomes more inflexible because of the data that you mentioned. Because mm -hmm. if I have some spread out, what are my rules of engagement to pull that out, to put it somewhere else? Mm -hmm. So I mm -hmm. end up being locked in where I am mm -hmm. and then I'm just paying over time like a storage unit that you never use, but you're, you, you don't have the energy to go clean it out kind of thing, you know? Yes, yes, yes. And that, um, that happens, you know, I would say, you know, perhaps that happens, uh, happened a lot on the on-prem. I'm a big, you know, often I talk about that. Um, we love to buy new shiny things, but we never like to retire the old rusty things, right? And they sit there and we'll go back to the talking about the towers under the desk. Uh, I bet you still find some sitting around, but um, yeah, that's true. And um, a good story that you mentioned back in the day, I was at a Gartner conference and one of the owners of a SAM tool got a hold of my CTO, right? And did, and this man was a genius. No doubt about it. He developed the tool and he could sell that tool to a watermelon, right? And he got a hold of my CTO and I get this call. Um, um, so and so just got off the ABC um, demo and Beth, go buy it, go buy it right now. And I'm and I'm at the Gartner conference and I'm like, okay. And so I had one of the Gartner analysts look at it on the airplane on the way home, look at the contract and all this transpired. But that was a big mistake. Just saying that was a big mistake because then after that, we, we weren't ready for that tool. Right. And we struggled, struggled and struggled because we weren't ready. We didn't have the stuff together. So, yeah, but um, yeah, things can happen while you're away at a conference. I can tell you that the tool vendors sneak in through the door and get to the CTO, right? Yeah. Or you have a business customer that says, I, I need this new shiny thing by, you know, because they're getting wined mm -hmm. and dined in some conference, mm -hmm. some nice mm -hmm. place, not where your work environment is. Yeah. And they come back and they're like, here's this pamphlet. I want you to go buy it. And you're like, yeah. Oh, and oh, and here's the sales guy's name or sales. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like right. But to answer your question on the hardware side, I think that the biggest change has been, you know, this little thing right here. Oh yeah, the phones. Yes. Oh, it, I can tell you, it's changed my life completely, and I think that. Hardware-wise, it has just brought up all the bring your own device. Can you have your Apple, your personal Apple account on your corporate phone? And yeah, from the hardware side, it is completely changed things. I know that I just bought a personal laptop um, because I got tired of trying to do side stuff. I damn side stuff just saying, yep. and on my iPad, 
right? So I just bought a new um, laptop. So I'm sitting here right now with a work laptop, a personal laptop, a phone, and an iPad. And yeah. and maybe I'm a little, um, I don't think so, though. No, nope. I don't think not. so. You're not. We're all like teenagers wanting as many devices mm -hmm. as possible. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Mm -mm. And the other drivers that have really pushed is security. Security yeah. needing to know what else in the environment. If there's one ally that the ITM people should leverage in every organization, mm -hmm. it's security. Security wants to know every device on the network. And ITM is the best position to help with that. Mm -hmm. And which then means you get more resources to help with that, usually. And I agree with that. I know that we work very closely with the security team at DART because we have common interests mm -hmm. um, in um, understanding what's in the environment for different reasons. Right. But it's the same interest. And to a certain extent, it's the same data. Yes. Right. And so, um, yes, trying to leverage that if you're starting up a new team or trying to get higher profile for your current ITAM team, if you haven't talked to the security folks, you should go talk to them right away and say, boy, you know, if we do this together, yeah, just, you know, we might, you know, kill two birds with one stone. Yep, yeah. the security people, so important, so important. Right, and they're the ones, those and the requirements from compliance and regulatory are the ones driving most ITAM mm -hmm. processes, so to speak, mm -hmm. because, you know, there's policy statements and all that fun stuff. I say fun mm -hmm. in air quotes, like it's fun to go to the dentist, but, yeah. you know, it's those requirements, they help drive what your ITM department looks like. So I have a question for you. So all of these new technologies are bursting on the scene. Right. Artificial intelligence, hmm. process automation, continuous delivery, CICD, DevOps, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Are you in, employing any of those or leveraging any of those in your ITAM or are you like on the receiving end now you have to worry about licensing all that stuff? Um, right now we are just moving, we're probably pretty average mm -hmm. and moving into those areas. So we are trying to be proactive and especially in automation areas, RPA and, you know, the, the lovely bots and all that kind of thing. Cause those have, that has real licensing implications, yeah. right? Yes. And so what we've tried to do is say, you know, um, we can help you with that. If you have questions, give over the, um, the licensing part of it, the contractual part of it, and let us look at that and you figure out the technology, right? And because I'm not necessarily um, a technologist and that's not really true because I've worked in it for 20 years, right? Um, but um, not compared to all the wonderful people I work with. But yes, definitely we are... Um, looking at a lot of those, but stepping lightly, which I think is good, right? right? Rather than just jumping into the pool without a life preserver. But um, 
but yeah, licensing, um, we have a pretty good way of working with that at, um, at DART that we've developed over the last like year and a half so that we look at it before they go out and sign the check, right? Yeah. And oh, yeah. then we, and then we have to. So, yeah. We've all been there. You saw me laugh just because I've been there. I know. It's painful because you're, you're handed this. Like I, it's like somebody promising that you'll go do something. You're like, okay, yeah. you know, it's your job. So you just shrug and say, okay, but yeah. you feel like you, there's money left on the table and efficiency left on the table and so on and so forth. So you've been in the, this area, hardware, software for a while. You peered into your crystal ball. This is one of the questions I love to ask on the podcast. Mm. You think what's coming five years from now, 10 years from now, on the hardware and software side, you mentioned mobile. I think that's one on the hardware. It's only going to evolve. Mm -hmm. But anything else you see there on hardware and software that's maybe uh, underappreciated that's coming fast? You know, I think that um, that we're going to see more and more of um, um, AI. Uh -huh. And I think it's going to come down to the consumer level. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, folks had, so back up a little, I think that folks, your average folks don't have a good idea of what AI is, and it might be a little scary, artificial intelligence, oh my God, it's robots walking around that are doing my job, and it's not, and what I think that that's going to be a big push because we're going to see how that is going to help us do our jobs and help in the future. Um, not for me, because I hope to be sitting on a beach somewhere in five years, maybe, maybe 10 years, in 10 years, I'll be sitting on a beach. But, um, but I think that's going to change it all around. I think that, um, a big thing that's coming. Another thing I think that we might see, and this is pretty radical, and as I say it, I'm not sure how it would be done, but it seems to be you have your personal software licenses, right? Your personal office. And then you have your, um, and maybe it's just because I just set this up, but then you have your work office apps and all your apps and your personal uh, Acrobat and I see perhaps that there may be some, and especially now that everything's subscription or going to subscription, the next wave possibly could be where you take and you morph those two together. So in other words, there's this kind of, and I'm really thinking off the wall here, but this kind of software licensing where it's one license, but you can segment it off for um i don't know if that would work but boy that would be handy wouldn't it data yeah. is the issue you mentioned artificial yeah. intelligence one thing yeah. i can see a year from now two years from now on the software side with mm -hmm. the tool is the ability to program personas and and magically automatedly without human intervention pull licenses that somebody hasn't used in a while and and reassign them or oh, things I'm, like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's coming quick. And, that's quick. And we, you know, it's it's just going to be common, and we'll be like, where did that come from? 
but that's yeah. artificial intelligence, right? You just tell it what to yep. look for. It goes out and it says, I was programmed to do X, Y, Z. The same way you and I are old enough to remember IBM Watson playing chess against the big chess people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 20, uh -huh. 30 years ago, right? That was in artificial intelligence. I mean, this is still here everywhere. We just now have it give it a cool name like AI and mm -hmm. everybody's scared. You know, everybody yep. thinks it's going to be Schwarzenegger with Terminator coming for us, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you're absolutely right because I'm looking at a tool right now to do SAS administration. Yep. And some of my folks in at Dart are like when we were talking about Microsoft licensing E5, E3, F3, all those different varieties. Well, it can can it go out there and look and switch licensing licenses around on its own? And I'm like, no, not yet. But let's have ask them to put it on the roadmap and you know they have it on the roadmap yeah. Oh, yeah and you know it's funny to me i'm not gonna mention what the big itsm tool maker is but we all know who it is yeah it was surprising to me that only last year did they have a mechanism for you to scan in hardware like you send a tech out to swap out a swap out mice desktops mm -hmm. monitors for them to scan in those barcodes where other yeah. manufacturers others had it a decade ago and mm -hmm. so it's interesting to me that when you mentioned roadmaps, every organization has priorities and those priorities are driven by what's going to create revenue. Scanning barcodes for desktop support people is not a priority. It does right. not sell. And so you have to think what's going to sell one tool versus another. At least that's, that's right. So, that's right. Yeah. And that is another um, problematic thing with an ITAM team because you talk about the cell, right? And we're back office, right? Just at your your example of barcode is perfectly valid, right? That doesn't necessarily um, at at a transparent level um, translate to the bottom line, right? It does, but that has to be shown, right? And on the software side, you can show savings around a software issue or savings around an optimization, right? Actual savings from one contract to another, that you can see. What you don't see is all the savings for the spend that was mitigated. Right. Before it ever got spent. And so folks who are working on a team, they need to work very um, or in a asset management program. They need to figure out what their management wants to see. And they need to start collecting that because it may not in, in lots of times it won't show on the books. Right. Yeah. And so take that step. Can I pile on and take it a step further? Sure. Even taking a roadmap of what your organization is going to decommission and being prepared contractually for that. Mm -hmm. You have 10 BI tools and you want to go to five mm -hmm. and on your roadmap. Contractually, you can help from the ITAM side mm -hmm. and it, on the renewal before even. But take it a step further. You may meet with the. So I have this practice whenever I help companies like from your point of view, you know, high in the sky. Every time there's a renewal, we push back on the business. Do you still need all these? licenses mm -hmm. and if you do mm -hmm. do you still need this level of support 
that one practice of just doing that, which seems very simple, it pushes so many dollars back in-house mm -hmm. to be re repurposed, mm -hmm. but somebody needs to shine a spotlight on it because it just seems like it goes in the, you know, it's kind of out in the wash and somebody right. needs to publicize, we were able to save you X, right? Right. Right. And we did that. Actually, that's a good point. We did that when we were first building the team at DART because I really walked into DART. There was nothing. And so I had to get people. I had to get tools. I had to get I had to earn respect. Mm -hmm. Right. And that goes back to the culture and learning people and, you know, all the soft skills we talk about. But I had to get respect. Well, to get respect from leadership usually has a dollar sign. Right. And so we did just that. We started saying, OK, this is the renewals. And every month, what did we save money on? Because they wouldn't see it. Right. They just pay the invoice and it's done. And we added all that up. And then we added to that what we thought um, best worst case scenario on mitigation issues. And the number at the end of the year was huge. And people were like, oh my God. But yeah, it's just because you haven't shown a light on it. You know, yeah. We more than paid for ourselves like four or five times. Yeah. There's, a, there's an organization not far from where you are, a few hundred miles, that has a five-person department that mm -hmm. their goal is sa saving seven million a mm -hmm. year. And that is just, and that's on the software side. And that's just to um, mitigate the increases in contracts, cost of living raises. They use the software side to mitigate all the other increasing mm -hmm. expenses in IT. And I want to be able to vocalize that as much as possible because leaders need to hear that. You know, leaders right. need to be able to say, this, this is one of the few places in IT that there's a positive ROI. I mean, like a legitimate yes. ROI. Yes. Not, none of this funny business, none of the, you know, I mean, the, the fake money stuff. That's right. And, you know, $7 million, that's, that's if you are doing your job and that's not hard to achieve, depending how big you are, of course. But I mean, at DART, that would not be hard to achieve. Right. And that's a positive yeah. ROI. You know what I mean? Yep. Like yep. if you give me one intern, costs you 20 grand a year, I can save mm -hmm. you 50 grand. That's a positive yes. ROI. Just because yes. there's low level stuff that I need somebody to go run down all the time and we don't yes. get to it. And because we're busy fighting the big battles that that 50 yeah. grand is not big enough. So yeah. a few months ago, we had Jim Ryan, CEO, President Flexera on the show. Mm -hmm. And he was, he's great. And uh, it's been in the, the space a long time. He probably mm -hmm. would love hearing about you talking about uh, Alteris, but that's a yeah. different story. Yeah. Because uh, there's a lot of really good tools in that space, and I don't mm -hmm. want to push any too high or too low. Right. He mentioned the convergence, just like you did earlier, of SAM and cloud. These are worlds mm -hmm. colliding that we're going to have just one in the mm -hmm. future. We're not going to have, well, we do this here and this here. It's mm -hmm. going to be one. Is that your view as well? It, it is my view. I do think that it may change the um, a bit of what the dynamics of an ITAM team looks like in that I think you'll still have a lot of data analysts that, I mean, somebody's got to work the numbers and somebody's got to work the tools and all that. But I think 
They're now going to be, and I'm not sure that anybody has landed on what that title is, um, folks that can do outreach to the business and say, you know, we can help you with that, or what are your issues, or let's say, look at, uh, let's just pick a, an Ariba contract, look at the Ariba contract, and once a year, sit down with the business and say, okay, what are you using? What are you not using? What do you plan to do? What is your strategy? And then take that back and apply it to the licensing, right? I think that that part of liaison with the business is going to grow. And I would say that SAM teams or ITAM teams need to start when they hire talent, they need to look at talent that can do that. You know, can they do, can they do a presentation? I'm a big proponent of soft skills. What do the soft skills look like? And hard skills, of course. But, um, you know, IT, everybody thinks hard skills and, you know, you can build a computer yourself. Well, no, not necessarily. And I think that you're going to need those liaison kind of folks. And that's a little bit of change, a little bit more towards the business. Rather, let's put it this way, rather than a maintenance role. It, it starts becoming an advisory role. I think that's really a lot of the place that um, ITAM is going to go is into their advisory space. And maybe it's because that's just where I think it should go. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there that talk about, you know, um, working with the business more. Yep. And I think this is just my personal viewpoint is that Every initiative, ITAM, ITSM, whatever it is, has to be aligned to a greater IT strategy, which is aligned mm -hmm. to a greater business strategy. Correct. And you mentioned those, those conversations. Even, hey, or, you know, I pulled from the tool that shows that you're using X. Are you really using mm -hmm. all these or not? You know, and, and having those conversations because what you say them helps their budget. And so there mm -hmm. is this ability to say we're in this together. You know, this yes. isn't my world, your world, but how can I help you save right. you money, right? That's right. And, you know, I know I'm working on an optimization in one of the larger software categories right now. And they are talking about starting up once a month um, meetings, technical meetings. And I'm like, uh, well, you know, include me in that. And the gentleman's like, Beth, these are technical meetings. <laughs> and I'm like, that's okay. I promise not to say anything, but they'll be invaluable to me when we finally get down to negotiating a contract or doing an optimization because I'll understand what the strategy is. And on top of that, I might understand it better than they think. So, yeah. I agree. Plus you may be able to, uh, I don't doubt you one bit, but the <laughs> other side is I think that you may be able to influence them that they don't, that they understand contractual implications yeah. and decisions before you get down to the, the end result. You know, like right. I think, the way you word things is, is very important. So COVID has been important to all of us. And you mentioned like the move to remote. Yeah. 
how are things changed for you and your group? Um, well, we moved to remote and um, we are all remote. Um, one um, person of the group is remote in Chicago. And so she and a very small office and they've closed that office. So she's going to stay remote. Um, I'm going to stay remote because that's what I want to do. And right. we'll see what they say. But, you know, I'll still have an office. I do think that we have um, lost some things with not having face to face. You've lost the body language thing. Um, but um, we moved fairly. I mean, we honestly, we sit at our computers all day anyway. Right. So it doesn't matter where where we sit. And so we moved pretty much without any downtime. And um, yeah, we're all doing fine. I have I've hired two contractors that live way in another state. I've never met them, except, you know, like I met you. I've never personally met you. And um, they're just doing great. And they're producing great work product. So I think that this idea of remote, there are some downsides to it. But I think for my team, I think we're going to stay this way. And if we do, I don't think it's a detriment because, you know, we really are in um, the data and um, working at machines a lot of the day. Me, not so much because I do a lot of talking and stuff like that. But um, but even that, the one thing I don't like is the virtual conferences. Yes. I don't I don't like that. And so I am just so excited about maybe going to a, a in-person conference because there's nothing like that round table of people at lunch and breakfast, right? Yes. You learn so much. So that has been a real downside for the team and especially the folks on the team who are still learning and developing their ITAM chops, so to speak, you know, not being able to go and listen to these conversations, just like I did when I was coming up is a detriment. You know, um, you pick so much just by listening. And I could see a thing where people just go to the office one day a week, right? Mm -hmm. and or something yeah. like that i mean everybody makes it like it's binary it's a it's a light yeah. switch it's either on or off but i think the the true place where we fall will be somewhere in the middle that's just my gut because everybody so. in this world wants us to be on everything one side or the, or the other and then in, in fact most of us fall in the middle on stuff because you know different things so last question this yeah. is a great conversation and we kind of touched on one, you can, you'll know where my thoughts are on this, but if you were given the resources to invest in your group, where would you mm -hmm. invest them? You Earlier, you heard my, my uh, soiree into that, but where would you invest resources just because you like big bang for the buck? I would um, invest resources in where um, I kind of took care of some of the technical areas but I would recently with some contractors, they're not um, employees. So I'd probably go there first because they fast become, oh, I can't lose them. Um, but, um, 
probably in a little more technical expertise in um, the, the, the tools, maybe, mm-hmm. although that's pretty good. But you know what I would do? I would invest in, because I look at ITAM as a growth thing, right? So if I could invest right now in, say, two people, I would buy, I would probably invest in two entry level people. Yes, me too. And I would say, okay, now we're going to step everyone up, which is how I like to do it. Two entry level people, they start producing that internal um, ROI right away for, and as, of course, as much money as I can pay them. But then again, um, they're going to start producing that ROI. The people above them are going to teach them. Then I can start investing in the middle people and getting them move up. And we have this whole chain of things. So honestly, if I could invest in two people right now, I would invest in two entry-level people that are interested in ITAM. I'm with you. And even with even if all they were data crunchers, even if yes. all they were were metrics pullers to show mm-hmm. how much you save, even if they were the work that mm-hmm. everybody else cast off of them and said, oh, I'm too good, too busy for this work. Even if they only did that, there's enough of that cast off work for them to pay for themselves. Exactly. And then they learn, right? Because we'll go back to where we completely where we started today. And that is Nobody teaches you how to do this. You've got to, you, it's almost like you've got to get on a team mm-hmm. and you've got to start networking and you've got to have folks to help teach you how to do it. And so, yeah, I would introduce some people to the space and hope they like it. I'm a big one for catching college interns if I can get them. I'm with you, especially yeah. if it's a weird space. And, and yeah. I mean, it in a positive way. Of course. certain it's a certain kind of personality that thinks this is fun. You know what I yeah. mean? Other people are either too technical or not technical enough. So they right. burden to them. Yeah. Well, thank you, Beth, for your time and sharing all this great wisdom. Hopefully it's been a good conversation for you and the audience. I've enjoyed it. And, you know, I love talking about the space and um, I'm pretty passionate about it. And um, I do a lot of writing out on LinkedIn. Uh, I just started a little bit of a side business. So I'm going to give that a little plug here. So um, yeah, it's, it's been a, a long-term kind of thing for me. And I, I imagine it will be for some time to come. Oh, yes. Especially if it's something you enjoy, right? It's not, yeah. it's well, not a burden. Yeah. Have a great day. And thank you for joining us. Well, 